Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event. Fight fans worldwide, you tuned into the number one undisputed boxing podcast today. This is the Boxing Breakdown. What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to another edition of the Boxing Breakdown, and I am your host, Mark Roxy. Thanks for being with us tonight, and I would like to welcome into the studio my partner in crime, Mr. Harold Hunt. What's up, what's up, what's up, Harold? Good evening, good evening. How are you this fine hey, I'm evening, I'm doing great, sir? man. It's a wonderful evening, and we always get to talk about boxing. That makes me happy. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, well, it's it's been a crazy week in boxing land, and um, how was your week? Always good. Um, had a I had a fight uh, I had to do in uh, South Carolina, so that's always a good time. And anytime you can be around the sport that we that we love, it's it's always a good time. So it was good to get back and and uh, have opportunity to do this. Yeah, for sure, for sure. How was the fight? It was really good. I mean, it was like uh, we had thirteen bouts, but the one that impressed me the most was the two ladies. One was a uh, amateur. I mean, her first fight, and the other one uh, was was a, was a seasoned pro. But the the uh, amateur won. Well, her first fight, she fought off the back foot. She displayed the best uh, skill set out of all the gentlemen, and they were a pretty good uh, you know skill set. But she really fought well. I enjoyed watching her. And she fought off the back foot, and it was nice being able to score that fight, knowing what I was looking at. So, so she had a a good time. She had a, a did, good fight. Did you, uh, by any chance, catch her name? No, I cannot recall at the present time. I cannot do that. Uh, I will in the future have the names when you ask me. But she was she was excellent. So uh, I'll try to get that up before the end of the evening. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I also want to give a uh, a big shout out to our good friend, Mr. Walter Waite, um, who is the sound of the opening uh, of the boxing breakdown. That is Mr. Uh, Walter Waite. So thank you so much, Walter, for always being the voice of the boxing breakdown. We appreciate our opening and your, you have an absolute uh, million dollar voice and we got to get you on. Actually, you haven't been on the Boxing Breakdown for a while there, Walter. So we're going to have to get you on the program. If you're listening in, we're definitely going to get you on. And um, that'd be fun, wouldn't it, Harold? Yes, I actually worked with him this weekend. Oh, you did? He was there? Yes. yes. Talk this to me. This weekend I worked with him. And last week I worked with him in Tennessee. Okay, all so right. So we had a back-to-back weekends together. And I'm always amazed at how well he can get the crowd going and his, his voice and his, his mannerism and his professionalism. And I always tell him, I said, man, you are good. And he always says, thank you, Mr. Hunt. Thank you. So yeah. he's, a, he's, a, he's a great guy and it would be great for him to come on here. 
Yeah, man. And so, Harold, we're going to get him on. We're definitely going to get him on. I wanted to really just kind of take a minute at the beginning of the program here also um, to really just um, shout out our uh, Ukrainian brothers and sisters in and out of the boxing community. Um, We are praying for you and your country, and we are in solidarity and support of you. And um, certainly we um, do not condone any kind of violence or war outside of the boxing ring, of course, but we um, really want to just uh, send our condolences for all of the uh, men and women uh, that have lost their lives in this uh, senseless war. And um, we are praying for the Ukrainian people. And, um, you know, I know, Harold, there's a couple of boxers, um, very, very prominent, successful boxers in our boxing community that are out there um, fighting the good fight. I wonder if you want to just chop that up a little bit. Yes, you have the Klitschko brothers who were heavyweight champions for a long time. Uh, the older brother, Vitaly, is a mayor of one of the prominent cities there uh, and his brother. Um, and they have both joined the uh, the army, if you will, uh, to protect their country. Also, you have uh, Lomachenko. Uh, he's joined also, uh, latest, uh, footage of him is he's in fatigues and he has a combat rifle and he is, uh, near the front line. Uh, the other boxer that's affiliated with this is, uh, Benali, uh, Triple G, uh, and he took his family and they went to Greece. Really? So he is not there, but his, his kids are, and his wife and his family, uh, they fled to Greece uh, while this is uh, 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 going on. Um, Chris Colbert's uh, uh, foe, uh, I forget his name, uh, not Chris Colbert's foe, I, I apologize. Uh, Gary Russell Jr.'s brother's foe, he is uh, Ukrainian also. Okay. And he had a fight with uh, on Saturday on Showtime against Gary Russell Jr., uh, one of the brothers, and right. upon his, when the fight was over, he flew back to Ukraine to be with his twin sons and and the wife. Right. So thus far, that's four prominent fighters who uh, have uh, retained uh, their services as soldiers to their native country. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, actually, I was going to um, call out... Um, you know, uh, Vitaly and uh, Vladimir Klitschko, who are are uh, Ukrainian, and they are certainly on the front front lines here. And um, uh, Vasily Lomachenko and uh, Alexander Usyk, all of those, yes. all of those Usyk individuals, also, yes. have um, you know have been um, reported to be on the front lines and uh, you know fighting for their Ukraine. So. Um, we love you guys, and we pray for you guys, and we hope that you will be returned to the boxing community and to the world safely. And, um, yeah, our hearts and prayers are going out to the country of Ukraine. Um, and, yeah, I just, I really, I don't know if you noticed the 
If you're watching on YouTube, you can't really see this if you're on the Apple podcast, but if you're watching on YouTube, you certainly can see that we're sporting our blue and yellow colors today just to really um, show our solidarity there with the Ukrainian people. And um, so, yeah, Harold, man, like uh, switching topics here just really quickly. Did you get a chance to see the Chris Colbert versus Hector Garcia fight? Yes, I did. It was good. Yeah, great fight. It really was a great fight. Um, what you got on that one? Chris Colbert had a game plan for his prior foe. And he necessarily didn't look at any film. He felt that he could adjust uh, uh, f- for Martinez. However, uh, Martinez had a relentless style, and he was fast. Right. He was quicker than 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 uh, Colbert thought he was, and he consistently was got off first. And he just stayed in the pocket and was busy the whole time. So uh, he really fought well. How many times, Mark, have we seen a late replacement upset uh, the favorite? Uh, Manny, Manny Pacquiao did that, and several other fighters have done that and went on to prominence. But it was a good fight. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, those last-minute replacements, you have to be really, really careful. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, last-minute replacements never really work out Um well, or very seldom do they work out well. I think in this particular case, it was really just a case of being outgunned uh, with with power, the power differential. And actually, in the fight, uh, Garcia was able to make all the adjustments, uh, or, or, or rather, yeah, he was he was able to follow the adjustments that were led by um, Chris Colbert. Uh, I think he, he adjusted maybe two or three times, actually three times, definitely in the fight. He tried to, you know, he tried to box him. He tried to brawl him earlier, early on. And um, no matter what he did, what adjustments he made, uh, Garcia was able to make the adjustments and actually beat him in every aspect of the boxing uh, match. So, I mean, this went on for the entire fight. And I think that, that it's just a matter of being outgunned and you know, it's, there's a lot to be said for um, skill uh, and will. And sometimes will beat skill when, you know, you, you really, you really want to win, you know? And, and certainly I'm not saying that no disrespect to Chris Colbert. I don't think that he didn't want to win. I just think that he wasn't able to put it together that night and, you know, he faced a very rugged, um, effective fighter that knew and understood that this is his shot. This is my shot. I'm going to take this. And that's exactly what he did. He went in there and he took it. Yes. Chris knew he wasn't going to win that fight. And the last two rounds, he saved himself. Uh, humiliation, punishment, and he had the opportunity to look at his opponent and figure out what he needed to do in the next fight. Yeah. He did not engage with him uh, around 11th and 12th. He just uh, stayed away from him, 
knowing that the fight was out of hand and there was no need for him to uh, kamikaze himself into a win because he simply knew he lost. I was more amazed with his demeanor after the fight because during the post-fight interview, he was very candid. He said, this gentleman had the better skier sub tonight. <laughs> uh, I simply didn't, uh, wasn't able to answer anything he did. Uh, I would like to do it again. Right. And I take my losses as I take my wins and uh, grace and uh, as a learning experience. Yeah. So instead of having that negative uh, situation where they make excuses and this, that, and the other, right. he simply said, I was beat. But he showed that in the last two rounds by not engaging and allowing that fight to just kind of play out. Yeah, no, no, I definitely agree. I mean, it's um, it's unfortunate because I know that Chris Colbert uh, was looking uh, for some big money fights. He was looking to really step up. Um, it's considered a, a prospect for sure. Um, but, and, and I know that he was scheduled to lock horns with a, a, the likes of a Shakur Stevenson, although nothing was really in stone or written. I know that that's what he was going for. And, you know, purportedly, you know, Shakur um, was watching the fight. Shakur Stevenson was watching the fight really just like he couldn't, he was like flabbergasted. Like, I can't believe this guy was talking all the smack and wanted to face me uh, and, and puts on a performance like that down. I don't know how many times he was down, but it was a lot. He was down a lot in the fight. And, um, just clearly there's levels to this. Um, you know, I just think it's an example of just maybe just having a bad night, but really just being outgunned. I I don't, I don't think it's uh, all attributed to a bad night. I do think that he was just simply outgunned by a better fighter. And, and I think that we got to We got to take our hats off to Garcia because, you know, really, um, Hector Garcia is a player, you know? I mean, I'm sure he there's lots of room for improvement, um, but he put on a great fight, and, and I'm sure there's going to be bigger and better things down the road for him, and it'll be really exciting to see. True, true. Uh, Colbert was down only once, but he was dominated, as you said, uh, with his best, his, his best style, uh, he just he couldn't find the upper hand. No, uh, he wasn't necessarily hurt. He just was outgunned. Uh, so he didn't take a huge amount of, uh, you know, uh, uh, he didn't take a beating or anything like that. Right. He just was scored upon so many times. He really couldn't, uh, you know, get back in the fight as far as the judges were concerned. No, no, there was. I don't, I don't, I don't really think there was much of a chance of him getting back in the fight at all, to be honest. Um, all right, well, let's take a moment and let's take a quick little jump off here and let's get into this Ryan Garcia um, split <laughs> with Eddie Reynoso. I know you wanted to talk about that. I certainly wanted to talk about it for a couple minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, what you got? Ryan took the high road when he first left said he felt like, you know, he didn't get the proper attention he needed at the time. Uh, he didn't want to burn any bridges. 
Yeah. He thought that uh, Reynoso was a great trainer. Uh, he just felt like he needed to be uh, the, the, the focus uh, more often than not. So I can respect him for that. Now comes a week later where uh, you have uh, Canelo saying that Ryan uh, just didn't have the work ethic and Reynoso had the ample time and the the uh, the want to to work with him, you know, exclusively when his time came. So you have you know two different situations going on, and you don't know which one is which. I commend Ryan for taking the high road initially, and now this is coming out. Um, I believe I, I believe the, the 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 positive path has always been laid, and this is just kind of a follow up scuttle, but just for. Uh, just, just to be said. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that the two have, you know, parted ways. I think that, uh, Ryan Garcia will be, um, hopefully he'll be able to get the work with, uh, Joe Goosen. I'm not a hundred percent sure what, you know, what happens next actually, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, when uh, a reporter asked Canelo, Hey, what's going on? I think it was, um, uh, Ellie setback, you know, did an interview with Canelo and he said like, Hey, what's going on? What, what, uh, what happened? And Canelo was like, I don't know. I have no idea what happened. I don't know what's going on with his, you know, in his head. Um, I'm paraphrasing, of course, not putting words into Canelo's mouth, but, but certainly it was, you know, I don't know what happened. And the only thing I know is that Eddie Reynoso is in the gym every day, ready to work with everybody. He manages a, a full schedule of top top level boxers, and he's willing and able to, you know, work with everybody, including Ryan. So he really was dumbfounded. I, I don't really know what's going on with Ryan Garcia. I don't know what what he's thinking, what's in his head. So I thought that was really, really interesting. And then Ryan Garcia comes back and says that Canelo really doesn't know why, which is exactly what he said. I don't know why. So, you know, it's uh, it's bizarre at, at best. The truth is only known by Ryan Garcia. Right. And I thought he dispensed it properly upon his initial exit. So... Wait. Yeah, I'm well, happy with what he said initially. I well, am. Well, Ryan Ryan Garcia does say he came out and he said that Canelo doesn't have an accurate picture of what took place when when he was falling uh, when it was failing to get the training uh, time with Eddie Reynoso. He he's, he's saying that Canelo doesn't really know the full picture. You know. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. It's just a shame. Uh, he knows the big dog. He can say <laughs> what he wants. The press is going to eat it up. He's right. going to he's he, he's going to make sure Reynoso is in positive light in the positive light rather. Right. So he feels he needs to say what he needs to say to you know uh, to to defend Reynoso. Right. And it's going to make headlines, and it's just going to be what it is because Canelo is a big fish. The big dog, or however you want to however you want to say that at this time. Oh, so, do you think? Do you think by any chance 
I, I'm just I'm just asking the question. And those of you that are tuning in on YouTube, if you want to uh, leave your comments, if you want to get in a conversation, jump on. Please jump on. Be in the conversation. But do you think it's a a, a, a scenario where Eddie Reynoso is just bitten off more than he can chew and he has too many fighters in his stable? Do you think that's um, a viable argument, which is an argument that both Ryan Garcia and uh, Virgil Ortiz has, have both um, – you know, commented on. What do you think? Well, I have to put it to a situation where I can I can make it relate to it. Uh, I love ribs, and I'll find a rib <laughs> place, and that those ribs are kicking, right? Right. And everyone finds out about them, and then the quality starts going down, 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 and then it's no longer good. It's still there. The food still comes out, but the quality of food is just it's just not good anymore because. So many people know about it, and, and they, they want to continue to try to you know uh, get that to, to, to have the business doing well. Right. But Reynoso, he's hot with Canelo, and he's had some fires who've done very well, and everyone would like to be trained by him. He's not going to necessarily turn them down, but he's really going to squeeze the schedule to get everyone in. Right. I believe that he's giving everyone the proper time. I I believe that, but. He really has to manage because he is very popular. He's been highly successful. You cannot doubt that. If huh. the gym itself was not successful, yeah, other than Canelo, then you have some argument. But the, all those guys are doing really well. And he had good success with Ryan. He won three fights, two by knockout or three by knockout. Right. So it's, it's tough to say Reynoso has bitten off too much because all his fires are still successful. And what I believe two of them felt like they needed to leave only because Canelo is a big fish and they want that type of treatment. So they go to a trainer who's going to offer them that kind of treatment. Right. And I, I, I cannot uh, say anything negative about that. NBA players leave to go somewhere where they can be the number one option. And that's just, you know, well, how it goes. Well, okay. Let me, let me throw another carrot in there. Let me, let me mix up this boiling pot of water. What do you think about the fact that maybe it's because there's so much money involved in the Canelo camp and the other fighters aren't getting the same kind of love? Do you think that has anything to do with it? I'm just, I'm Reynoso, just, I'm just asking the questions. Reynoso has always treated everyone <coughs> on par in that gym because this is the first time this kind of thing has ever come out. And uh, it could be sour grapes or not, but yeah. he has always, uh, from what I can see, understand, and read, and talk to people, that he's even with everyone that's in the camp. Right. You know, Canelo does the same things as everyone else, or everyone else does the same thing he does. He doesn't get any special situation. He gets his time, and everyone else gets their time. And this is this has never came come up, uh, you know, previously. So to me, it's just. Uh, just for just to be said but personally I feel like everyone gets their due and sometimes you feel like you just want to make a change and he he did he did not say anything negative about him when he left yeah of course and, right and it was it was a positive thing interesting so I have to leave, leave it where it is I, I have to leave it where it is yeah no I understand and I appreciate that <clears throat> I know that Ryan Garcia is going to appreciate that, <laughs> that we're going to leave it right there. 
and Ryan Garcia. We will leave that conversation right there. If you want to jump on and let us know, we'd love to have you on our program. You know that. We'd die to have you on our program. I think our ratings would go up. If we had Ryan Garcia on our program, could you imagine <laughs> what would happen to our ratings? Oh, my gosh. It would probably a YouTube check. <laughs> it would probably mostly be girls, you know, probably mostly be all the ladies, you know, that just are in love with the guy. You know, he's he's definitely model quality, so I get it, you know. Hey. Bring him on, bring him yeah, on. Yeah, bro. Listen, I wanna see what Joe Goosen <laughs> does with him and see if he can get back in the ring and start cracking again because uh, you know, boxing fans do wanna see Ryan Garcia as well. And they do wanna so see Joe Goosen was there. Uh, when he was amateur. So yeah. he knows his work ethic. He knows how to, buttons to push. That's right. Uh, so, so he's going to not give him that prima donna type of, uh, right. uh, 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 a uh, uh, work no, that he no. wanted and he saw Canelo getting and yeah. he wanted that type of thing, right. you know, and he's, he's, he can get it. He has the following. He has the style. Right. He's young. He has the cosmetic look for the female population, if you will, and he can <laughs> fight for us. Right. So if you want to be treated thusly, so be it. But continue to win by knockout. Yeah, man. You better you better continue to win by knockout for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. So here we go. On to the big guns. Okay. So we've got see if I can pull it up. Yes, yes, yes. We've got Canelo versus Bivol. Uh, Bivol, Bivol, Bivol. You know, there's a million ways people say his name. I think it's Bivol, right? But WBC uh, World Lightweight heavy cha- Heavyweight Championship on the line. Legacy is earned. I think that's going down on May 7th. If you if you look here, it's a matchroom event. It's a Canelo Alvarez event, the zone pay per view. But what you don't see is where it's happening, and I believe that's because Harold. I believe yes. that's because they haven't really set a location of where it's actually going to happen. Canelo Alvarez versus Dimitri Bivold uh, could occur in Dubai in in the Middle East. Uh, on May 7th on ESPN MX uh, reports that Dubai is a potential option um, to stage the event. Um, it's a superstar event, man. Canelo Alvarez, 57 and one, uh, two draws, 39, K- 39 wins by KO and WBA lightweight heavyweight champion Bivol, 19 and O with 11 KOs. And it's going to be, a firefight. Bivol is no walkover. He's a good fighter. And um, it's going to be really, really interesting. And um, I, I did. Did you have anything to say about that, Harold? Yes. The site fee in Dubai is going to be crazy. It's got to be double, triple with <laughs> Vegas, the Barclays Center, anything in California can possibly, can possibly be uh, put up. So, uh, they're yeah. going to have a huge upper hand there, and they simply can outbid any everyone else, period. So if they want the fight, right. they will get it because the money is going to be so tremendous. The only thing that could keep it from there is the possibility that Vegas, uh, you know, because of the, uh, you know, the culture, the, the, the right. gambling, and right. that type of thing could, 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 
garner it to be there just because of all the other outside money that can be made and all those be taken account of, you know, right. or with all the people who, who, who handle all of that. But I like to buy. Yeah. I like to buy for that fight. I yeah. do. Well, the opulence is crazy. Well, I don't know. I don't know how much Bivol will really dig uh, Dubai because if you recall, both of Galati Golovkin's fights were both in Dubai. Both of the fights occurred in Dubai. And you remember what happened in both of those fights? Who won? It wasn't necessarily successful. <laughs> Canelo came away with two controversial victories in both fights in Dubai. Galati um, Golovkin does not like Dubai, I'm pretty sure, at this point. Um, but you know, the Canelo camp likes, you know, it's a solid option and they really like, uh, Dubai for the fight. So we'll just have to see whether or not the fight, uh, happens there. Uh, I'm not sure what other, whether sites they're looking at, if they're looking at any, any places in Europe. Um, but I, I, I know that Dubai is a, uh, an option, boy, Vegas would probably, boy, Vegas would be on fire if that fight happened there. Maybe on fire. Yes, yes, it would. You know, you know what's Those... really. Go ahead, Aaron. Please go ahead. Now I was going to say, you know what's really on fire. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> it's the hundred and sixty million dollars inside Canelo's pocket that he's yes. getting for the two fight deal. He's going to be listen. He folks out there listening in on the boxing breakdown, check this out. He is going to be fighting. Dimitri Bival, followed by Galati Golovkin, for $160 million, Harold. That's just a guarantee. We're not talking about the back-end pay-per-view, which trickles in for years after that. So he'll be getting a pay-per-view check for this fight, besides his 160 for at least five to six years, because it all has to wind up and be distributed properly. So... We don't know what that back end is. And, you know, I'm just speculating it could be another 10, 20 million. I, I don't know. Wow, so, man. If you want to be conservative, let's say 180. All right, so check this out. Listeners, okay, do the math. Boxers that are tuning into the program, what's up, what's up, what's up? Listen to this, boxers. Canelo Alvarez is making $160 million to fight Bival, followed by a very aging... Not no no disrespect to Galati Golovkin at all, but Galati Golovkin is getting up there in age, right? He is not a spring chicken. He is up there in age. So Canelo, like how much these guys understand this boxing game, Harold? They really, really get the business of boxing. They're not just like, and I understand like Canelo, you know, he, he cares about the money. Trust me. He cares. Don't ever say Canelo doesn't care about the money. He cares about the money, but you know what he's really caring about is his legacy. What he's trying to do. He's got this vision in his mind of what he wants to do, Harold. So he's got the 160 mil in the bank, chiching, and then followed by, he's so he's going to fight, uh, Dimitri Bival, which is going to probably be a pretty tough fight, but then <clears throat> his next fight is against Galati Golovkin. He's already beat Golovkin twice, controversially, right? And the question is, 
Why did he take these two fights over Charlo and Benavides? Do you have an idea of why that would be? Legacy, as you said earlier, he has the opportunity to go ahead and start his run at 175. Um, that would be a relatively easy fight, I would think. He can come back down and easily, not easily, but have a great fight with Golovkin. Right. And then he can go back to 175 and clean up Joe Smith and Arthur. Charlo will still be there, but Charlo is a 160-pounder. Right. So when he moves up, he'll be at a disadvantage. Um, Benavides is the one that everyone's going to be clamoring for. But... He can take his time with those fights. He doesn't have to go do them right away. While he's on this hot streak, I would do as he's doing because those other fights will wait. The Charlo fight will wait and the uh, Benavides fight will wait. So I would go get this now and then go go get those later. Yeah, so check this out. So for me, I'm looking at this in a very... Very interesting way, you know, from the calculated business side of boxing, right? Canelo Alvarez takes the $160 million. He fights uh, Dimitri Bival. Then he follows that by fighting Galati Golovkin. 160 plus perks, right? So, whatever. Then he gets to come back when the two young lions, the two, you know, bulls in the china shop, Benavides and Charlo, I mean, that's arguable. You can argue that point. But the way I see it is like, okay, he's taking these easier fights first. They're both not walks in the park, but they are easier fights in that they're, he's fighting Bivol, followed by an older Galati Golovkin. And then when Charlo and Benavides are a little bit older, maybe they'll fight each other. Maybe they'll fight other people and they'll be a little more worn out, a little softer. Maybe he'll face them then, later on, right? But there's no reason for him to take those very tough, hard fights now. When those fights are going to be worth, if he's getting $160 million for these fights, he wins these fights, what do you think he's going to get next round? What do you think, how much do you think... Uh, uh, Canelo Alvarez will get for the next two fights. Do you think that will be $200 million to fight those two cats? It's quite possible, depending on how well he succeeds with those other two. Uh, The Golovkin fight, he should win that one. The other one is going to be an opportunity for him to show another side of himself. Wow. So, yes, I agree with you. Those fights can wait and they'll be there. But those two gentlemen will be at a disadvantage because they'll be moving up. He'll have acclimated himself to a 175 uh, weight limit. He'll he'll, he'll feel those punches and mentally he'll be able to handle those. With Golovkin, Golovkin can punch. And uh, he's going to be able to take those punches pretty easily. So going down to with sixty eight to defend those other belts and and uh, and blowing up uh, Charlo, I really think he won't be affected by their power. 
Yeah. You know when that... Do you remember the fight? Um, do you remember this fight? Which one? Oh, yes. Yes. Do you remember that fight, Errol? Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, that lets you know how long ago, you know, in boxing world... That's a long time. Here, let me let me just pull that up again. It's uh, September sixteenth, two thousand seventeen, um, is when that fight actually happened. So you know, I mean, it, these guys have been at it for a while. You know, they've been at um, this matchup for a while, and they're going to have their third fight. And I'm excited about that third fight. Um, and I'm really just flabbergasted at the idea that Canelo Alvarez in in a four-fight deal could make, oh my gosh, $360 million. I mean, I'm doing the math right. The legacy is more important, but after the 360 or whatever he makes coming back down to, to fight Canelo, I mean, yeah. to fight uh, Charlo and uh, Benavides, he still can go up and clean up to 175. Yeah, no, I get that. I really get that. And that's I mean, another get... what, 200 million or, or whatever. That's what I'm saying, man. He is, you got to respect the game. You gotta respect his game, and I don't think it's, you know, some people are like, oh, he's scared to fight the Charlo, bro. you know, he's scared to fight uh, Charlo, he's scared to fight Benavidez. He's not. He's just a really him and his team. Of course, it's just not him, but they are shrewd, intelligent business people. That's it. They really understand this game. And during his prime, his physical prime. He has maybe two years of physical prime where he can really fight well. Mark, yeah. you know, a boxer's prime, and, and he is right in the middle of it. I mean, NBA box prime is what, 32 to, I mean, uh, what, 20, 28 to what, 30, 33 right. NBA prime? Right. You know, it's in your, your prime is in your 30s, uh, you know, physically as a man. And in boxing, Mark, you can speak to that. He's in. He's in dead in the middle of his prime. He's approaching the end of his prime, but he's still right in the middle. Yeah. He'll he'll be successful for at least five to six fights, where he'll it won't be any fall off physically <laughs> or mentally. I'm just thinking, Harold. I'm just thinking. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, but I was thinking Canelo saying payday, payday, payday. He goes payday. Payday, he does want a payday, payday, and right? I, I know that. <laughs> yeah, man, he did, he like he, what he wants is he actually wants Benavides and Charlo to fight one another, right? He he says, you know, J- J- Jamal. By the way, that's who, who we're talking about, right? So he wants Jamal right. Charlo to face off against um, Benavides, and then he take the winner of the of the the fight. They, they he he says that these guys just want to fight him. For the payday. They just want the payday. But they should fight each other. Like, they're good fighters. They should fight each other. If they want to get out of him, they should they're fight each other. They're sitting around waiting. Yeah, everyone's sitting around waiting to fight Canelo. They just need to be fighting each other. 
Yeah, well, waiting for that golden ticket. Wow. Uh, one of the commentators called the Willy Wonka ticket. I was I started laughing. It was so good. Um, I guess it was Ness right. on uh, one of the other the other podcasts, uh, the Boxing Voice, and he called it the Willy Wonka ticket, and that was just excellent. It was well placed because. They're, these guys don't, don't want to fight each other. They say, look, we, we got to wait for Canelo. Let's wait for Canelo. Like everyone waited for Pacquiao. Right. They wanted that Pacquiao sweepstakes. Who's going to get it? Who's going to get it? And they wouldn't fight each other. So this is where we are now. And uh, if they do right. fight, that's going to be a great fight between those two. Yeah, for sure. No, I, that'll be a great fight. You know? I look forward to that. <clears throat> Uh, Charles is going to have to come up to 168 and Benavides is already at 168 and the trash talk and the, the press behind that will be just epic. Oh my gosh. I mean, this, <laughs> that would, that really would be good. I mean, you'd really get a lot of, a lot of hype behind it. And then you got Canelo going to the fight and going to the training camps of these guys. Oh man. Right. No, <laughs> that's listen, good. that's going to be good stuff, man. Yeah, yes. it, it will be. It will be, Harold. Absolutely. And uh, you know, just just a little bit a little bit more touch 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 and go here on the Canelo front. You know, Canelo really is just like you said, he's really just looking to make history, you know? That's all that they really want to do is just make history. As he should. He has an opportunity. I'm not saying the light heavyweight uh, right. division is weak. But it's something he can definitely handle. He uh-huh. can definitely handle. And he, I believe he can handle Bivolve also. I mean, um, uh, the other gentleman, uh, um, Better Beef, if I'm saying that correctly. I believe he can beat him also. Right. Yeah. And Joe Smith. Joe Smith is a great fighter, but his fundamentals are so basic that uh, he'll get picked apart by, by Canelo, who is a right. fundamentally sound so- fighter. So what do you think about this business that Canelo's not really facing anybody who's, uh, you know, of quality? What do you think about that? I mean, there's been some talk about him not facing, like he, he faced uh, Avnin uh, Yildrum. Remember that guy? I always had a hard time saying his name. Billy Joe Saunders, Caleb Plant, Sergey Kovalev, Daniel Jacobs, Rocky Fielding, and Caldum uh, Smith. So what do you think about the fact that like Benavides and these guys feel like he's not really facing any elite competition in those names? Well, you still have the mandos, the mandatories. So he's forced to fight those guys, whether they're, they look good to the public eye or not. He has to fight them to continue to help to hold the belt. I understand that. Right. Okay. The other guys he's fought, they were all champions uh-huh. in their respective divisions. What are you going to do? Right, they're champions of, of of their division. So he's just fighting the champions. Now, right. if you want to say the champions are weak, then you're saying that division is weak. But that's that's not his situation. He didn't manufacture it. He's just fighting the champions of the division to to pick up the belts. Right. So as long as he's fighting champions, I don't have the issue with it. If the light heavyweight division seems light to most people, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, if, if 168 seems like to most people, that's what it is. They were still champions and he still beat them. And it wasn't up to him, the quality of the fighters that he fought. They uh-huh. were champions and they came up the, the, the way that champions do. 
Right. Well, I mean, there's going to be a lot of hubbubaloo around this fight with Bivol. I don't, I mean, how do you, do you want to make a prediction, Harold? Do you want to, yes, do you want to, I, do you I, want to do. I, I don't mind uh, getting my throat cut or, <laughs> or, or whatever you want to say. Right. I, I, I just think uh, Canelo is just going to be able to make B-Ball miss so much right. and frustrate him so much and be able to counter punch. And once he puts the stinger on him, he'll knock him out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I, I mean, I think you're right. I think, yeah. I, I mean, I can't. If, if you guys have alternative feelings about that, anybody in the Bivol camp uh, or, or anybody want to talk about the Golovkin, you know, please leave your comments, man. Let us know. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we want to um, thank you for being with us. Please take a moment to share the podcast. Send it out to our friends out there. Um, if you like it, you know, share it with other folks in the boxing community and let them know that we are talking about some good boxing here on the Boxing Breakdown. And if you are tuning in on YouTube, what's up? I know I'm not looking at the camera the whole time. Um, there's a lot of stuff here in this room that we have to pay attention to to make this broadcast come to you. So um, I just want to uh, thank you for being with us. Hit the like and subscribe button down below, down below, right down in there, right? Make sure you get your notifications. That's right. Every time a po podcast is released, you'll know it's released and you'll be able to tune in when it comes out. This way you're getting the news when the news is breaking. Um, so with that being said, talking about breaking news, let's get into this, Harold. What you got to say about this, my Brother, tell me. Tyson Fury, WBC heavyweight championship of the world on the line against Dillian White. That is going down April 22nd, uh, actually April 23rd in Wembley Stadium. Right. That's an event. Uh, yes. Yeah, man. That's an event of all events. Uh, it's a top rank event, of course, in part uh, top rank. I think BT Sports is involved in that. But uh, it's going to be a great, great fight, Harold. What a venue. Wembley Stadium. Yeah. It will be sold out. Oh, yeah. A massive, massive amount of people will be there. The If you can make it there, please go. It's just going to be phenomenal. They have a different feel about their boxing than you, you would get in Vegas. They're both beautiful. Right. But that is just a different animal. I always like financials. And the financial ramification of this fight is crazy in that Fury gets 80% of what? Whatever money is is made, and White only gets twenty percent. Oh my god! That's such a huge, uh, painful. Uh, <laughs> there will be some kind of cut of you know the back end, the pay per view. Uh, if there's any concessions, I don't know what the breakdown will be, but something will be there for them. So right. White could pick up a, a few a, four, a few more dollars on that end. 
But 80-20 is really uh, something. That's really something. Wow. But he wants this fight. He's in the middle of suing uh, the WBC. Uh, Mr. White, he oh, has him okay. in court right now. Wow. So he's suing them. It's an ongoing case because he felt like he was to get this fight earlier. Right. Uh, so he's suing for that situation. He was able to get the fight now, but he's still suing for the because he should have had it earlier in his opinion. Right. So he's still suing them. He still gets the fight. He gets the smaller end of the purse, of course. He should pick up something on the back end and he has his opportunity to shine. Wow. Yeah. So it's going to be a great fight. I would love to go there and just to feel that atmosphere. Oh my gosh. Right. Well, you know, Tyson Fury has, has dominated the action here in the United States, dominated the conversation, dominated, um, you know, Deontay Wilder twice. Right. And, you know, he's just, um, man, it's, it's only, it's only fitting for the Gypsy King to, to return to Wembley Stadium to defend his title, right? I mean, that's the right place to be. And I think it's going to be an outstanding evening of boxing. Um, how do you see that going? I don't know what the undercard is. As far as the actual fight is concerned. Yeah, I mean Jillian, the fight. I mean Fury, Fury and White. Yes, yes. The actual fight is concerned. Well, you always have a runner, but the actual fight is concerned. Just watching White, he has to be a little sharper, as in, you know, the way he releases his punches. Just a little sharper, just so he can make a, not make a fiber, but it won't be so overwhelming. Uh, he, he does have power. Right. And, uh, but my reference point is Joshua, and Joshua knocked him out after he gave Joshua a little work. Right. So he may have an opportunity to win. You can always win. He just needs to be a little quicker with his hands on this fight just so he won't get uh, sparked out of there early. Yeah. No, I I mean, I, I see it. I see it going uh, to Tyson Fury. You know, I think he's the quicker, faster, more skillful fighter. He's got um, a, a great, great defense. So he is hes a little taller. So I think that, you know, it, it really, anything can happen in the heavyweight division, man. And literally, anybody can go down in the heavyweight division. That's what makes it so exciting. The odds, if you're, if you're into betting, I mean, I know that the odds are going to be Super, super good for Dillian White. Meaning, if you place a bet for Dillian White, you and he wins, you you'll be uh, you'll be very happy that you did that. Uh-huh. But uh, I don't I don't see it going that way. Um, I think that Tyson Fury is just too much of a monster for this. Uh, and where do you think Tyson Fury goes next? I mean, where does he go after this? What what does he do after he fights Dillian White? What's next, Alexander? Usyk. Uh, well, <laughs> provided that, you know, Usyk is returned in one piece from this tragic, evil, terrible yeah. war that's happening right now in the Ukraine. So, you know, God be with him and, and hope that he we can have him returned, uh, you know, promptly 
Um, but we, we know that, uh, you know, we acknowledge his courage and, and his, his willingness to be there and, and fight, you know, for his people. It's just, it's quite valiant. It's pretty amazing, you know? Yes, it is. I anticipate uh, the world will correct itself. Yeah. We will get our fighters back and we will continue to sport. Yeah. So I'm hoping that that happens and, and those two can uh, unify the title and yeah. we can just move forward with this, with boxing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Let's hope, let's hope that that's the case. So moving, moving, moving forward here, mm-hmm. Harold, let's, let's moving talk. On, yeah, on. man. Let's talk about, a fight that I've talked about a lot on the boxing breakdown. I've covered it. Um, so if you haven't heard the coverage of the Ramirez versus Pedraza fight, um, you know, go back and tune into one of the previous episodes of the boxing breakdown. We have talked about this fight a bunch of times and it is sponsored by top rank. Um, and it is going to be on ESPN plus Friday, March 4th, Right at the Save Mart Center in Fresno, California. Um, again, ESPN Plus and Top Rank. It's going to be an amazing fight. I, I, I mean, I'm anticipating Harold this to be a really, really great fight. It's one of those sleepers, you know. It's like the, what is it the Baranchek? Remember the Baranchek and the Zapeta fight, the one that got Fight of the Year. 50-50. Yeah, I wonder, 50-50 I wonder if we're talking about a fight like that here. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm really hype about this fight. I'm really, really excited about the Ramirez versus Pedraza uh, top-ranked ESPN Plus fight. I really want to see this one. I think it's a 50-50 fight. Uh, I love the fact that I can't even think about who could possibly win or I can't even take a side. And those are the kind of fights that you look forward to because you really can't, really can't say. I would love to judge that kind of fight, right. the kind where each round is so tight, you don't know who to give it to before you give your card to the to the uh, referee to take to the the, the head uh, uh, bean counter right. after each round. Those are the kind of fights that I love to judge, and even as a fan trying to figure out after each round who won it's going to, it's going to be great so that's a good fight you know yeah. that is a great fight yeah no definitely it, it is going to be a great fight and oh Jose the sniper Pedraza knows how to put on a good fight these guys are these guys are going to be um really really something so anyway <clears throat> and last but not least we're rounding right about 55 minutes into the program we are just about ready to uh, call it a night, but we can't do that without talking about this one. Chocolatito Gonzalez, uh, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez versus Julio Cesar Martinez live on the zone. This is going to be another barn burner and another candidate for fight of the year. People, you don't want to miss this fight, honestly. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I could promote the fights. I could, I could just be on here promoting fights because I'm just so pumped up and excited about 
these matchups. This is another great fight, people. It's live on the zone. Matchroom Boxing is putting on Chocolatito versus Martinez, March 5th, 2022. And if you are interested, it's at the Pertang Arena in San Diego, California. And that's going to be a really, really good fight, man, for sure. A lot of punches will be thrown. Chocolatito is so sound uh, yeah. fundamentally. Uh, even as he ages, he still will be exciting, and he still will uh, be able to to win. Yeah. And his opponent, of course, is a world-class disciplined fighter also. So I just see just a, another great fight where you just can't pick up. You can't pick anyone. Well. So... Those yeah. are the ones that boxing fans should really look forward to, this is as a, I do. This is a WBC flyweight, uh, you know, matchup. Um, and basically, 27-year-old Martinez, uh, you know, has a record of 18-1 and one with 14 KOs. And he's facing really a legend in the sport, Roman Chocolatito mm, Gonzalez. Chocolatito. Who's 50-3. With 41 wins coming by way of KO, he's definitely going in the Hall of Fame, man. I, I would love to see him get in the Hall of Fame one day when his career's over. Um, but again, this is going to be the classic bull in the matador, although I think they're both going to be bulls, to be quite honest. I, I meant, you know, you're going to have the youth, youthful Martinez versus the very... Um, Mature and experienced, <laughs> experienced Roman Chocolate Gonzalez, right? So yeah, I mean it's going to be a great fight. Um, Martinez has really never f- faced anyone on the level of Chocolatito, but you know, as you just saw with the Chris Colbert and Hector Garcia, <clears throat> the thing is, right? Here's the thing: Hector Garcia was a really good amateur. He had a very, very distinguished, successful amateur background. You got to be careful with these young guys because you never know. You know, you just don't know what can happen. Martinez could pull pull an upset here. Um, he is a combination puncher, right? So he, he will be able to trade with, with Gonzalez. Um, it's going to be good. Yeah, but he has a little bit more power, right? And he's seven, I think he's like seven or eight years younger. That makes a difference. But the frequency coming from Chocolatito may not allow him to utilize that that skill set he has because he has to be wary about what's coming to him on a regular basis. Right. So he has to get his in while avoiding Chocolatito. And Chocolatito knows that his defense will come from offense because he doesn't need to be taking that work. Right. Well, and then his it, opposition at all. And listen, Harold, to to Chocolatito's credit, the guy in his 50, you know, 50 plus fights, he's faced everybody. I mean, he's fought everybody in the division. Uh I think on the flip side of that, like the toughest opponent that Martinez has been with in the ring, um are Jay Harris, right? Mick Williams, Arroyo, and Christopher Rosales. Those are the three toughest opponents that um, Martinez has been in the ring with. So 
you know, it is uh, experience against, you know, youth. And it's, the, yeah. The toughest is, was Arroyo, if I say that correctly. Arroyo, 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 say it. Arroyo. <laughs> uh, I can't roll ours. my tongue. I can't roll my tongue I'm from the Midwest. But, <laughs> uh, the situation is that's going to be something that uh, he has had that kind of pressure from a right. royal, and that's just serving well against Chocolatito. Right. So he, he doesn't come in with a glossy record and hasn't fought anyone who can give him that kind of pressure that Chocolatito could, could apply. Right. So he's done well with that. As you say, he has youth. A youth could be served. Or uh, a mature a person who knows the fight game Right. Who's able to be successful at a, at a, at a, a mature age, uh, a la James Tony. Right. Uh, he fought very well as uh, when he was older, and he was supposedly uh, over the heel or whatever. But he had such a skill set that he was able to be successful on a high level, right. way after people had uh, wrote him off. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, you know, look. He says, you know. He, he says that um, he's faced other great champions like Edgar Sosa, right? Um, and, he want, and he walked away with his hand raised on that fight, and now he's fighting, you know, Roman Gonzalez, another one of his idols, actually. So I don't know if that's good or bad because, you know, you got to really get in there and disrespect your opponent if you want to win. Um, but, you know, it, it's it, Julio Cesar Martinez is you know class act he wants to step up and fight the big guy so he, there he is he's going to be against you know the cream of the crop in that division and it's going to be an amazing fight folks yeah. do not miss this fight i'm telling you it will be candidate for fight of the year um it, hopefully i'm not over hyping it y'all better perform you know chocolatito and martinez y'all better do it um, because a lot of people are going to be tuning into this fight, and I cannot wait to see it, Harold Hunt. Yes, that's one of the ones uh, I'm looking forward to. Just because Chocolatito is so busy, he's so yeah aware of what's going on. He's able to change his style and his, his attack and his defense, and right. he's just he's just beautiful to watch as he goes about you know the job. Yeah, well, Harold. It's a pleasure as it always is to be with you on the boxing breakdown. I want to oh, thank done, you. Huh? Yeah, man, we are done. We just rounded out an hour. We've done it, bro. We got through all of our topics. We've delighted our fans, our 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 folks that are tuning in, the boxing aficionados who love to be with us on the boxing breakdown. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and you made it possible for them to have a wonderful evening tonight. So I thank you for that. Thanks. Hopefully so. We did that. Yes, we did. Yeah, we did that. We just did it. And until next time, Mr. Harold Hunt, peace and love. I'll see you on the other side. Don't forget to share the podcast. Don't forget to get on Apple Podcast and become a member there. And don't forget to hit the like and subscribe down below on the YouTube channel. Thank you so much. God bless. And let's all pray for our friends in the Ukraine. Peace and yes, love. Yes. Boxing Breakdown is out.
Fight fans, join host Mark Roxy and special guests as they break down all aspects of the boxing world, including news, business, management, training, promotions, fan reactions, upcoming events, matchups, future boxing stars, title fights, state of the boxing world, and all the stuff you don't see when you watch boxing. This podcast is released each week on Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Live streamed on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook Live. It's the Boxing Breakdown, hosted by Mark Roxy.